You lock those doors. Duck. It's Miller time. Dr. Miller, that is. I'm David Madera, your host, and joining me in his refurbished uh, studio there in Dallas, Pennsylvania, is Dr. Gordon Miller. It looks like you've got some books there. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, we uh, we just came back up from Pensacola visiting David and family and my extended family and uh, my immediate family and my parents just delivered us these beautiful Harvard classics, and we, I was able to display them today so it's been nice. a really it's been a really good uh reset of the old bookshelf nice and a reset of the show we've both been uh super consumed by a lot of other stuff Indeed. Uh, but glad to be back in the studio and talking to you again tell yeah. us a little bit about what we're going to be covering today you had an idea and i thought it was uh i thought it was a good idea yeah we're uh we're going to be talking a little bit today about our failing elites so um, one way to think about it, I mean, we, we talk a lot about freedom and anarchy on this show, but I think uh, this is a often missed topic. And this is something that um, I know Dave Smith has brought up on his show that, you know, we always have elites, right? Like we either have political elites or we have economic elites. We have people that are richer than us. I mean, it's just regardless of whether you think that's right or wrong, it's just the nature of our world, right? And the real question is, do we want strong people over us or do we want weak people over us? Do we want good elites or do we want corrupt, um, evil elites, if you will? And it's really becoming quite apparent to me, at least, that especially as we see things unfold with uh, events like the rise of RFK Jr. and the reaction to all the Trump indictments and um, the attitudes toward COVID and how that's evolved over the last few years, it really seems like those elites are starting to lose control. So uh, it, it's just an interesting state of affairs. I think, you know, oftentimes we hear this is the most important election of our lifetimes every four years. And in some ways that's true, but it's, it's just an interesting state of affairs to be going into the 2024 elections. And I think it's worth considering that uh, from a very, a variety of ideological perspectives. Well, how would you define elites? How would I define elites? I would define elites as someone possessing more economic or political power than you do. So uh, you? I, uh, yeah, to some extent. Um, I mean, be an elite. a college professor is an elite. Yeah. I mean, I don't have as much control over uh, actual the actual state of affairs as a lot of people do. I, you know, to some extent, like, you know, I probably have more influence than, you know, Joe Schmo that works, you know, eight to five um, or whoever you want to call Whoever you want. Who's getting such a short day? Yeah, Joe, Joe the plumber. I, I, work much longer. I work much longer hours than that. I mean, you work a variety of hours. So. I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the whole, the, the, the stereotypical Joe the plumber, right? Well, um, but and, I, it is an important question. I'm not, I'm not just being cheeky when I ask that because yeah. I think it's fair to uh, acknowledge there are varying degrees of elites. Yeah, sure. Um, and I mean, I power is powers are is a spectrum, right? And I think I think when when most of us think about elites, we think about someone who has way more power, like a governor 
or a legislator or a CEO, right? Is that kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, I think we would think of the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musk and on the political side, the Joe Bidens and the Donald Trumps and or anybody or anybody with a significant media platform. Right. Yeah. Anyone who can influence policy or influence uh, your day to day life in some way or another in an outsized way. Right. Yes. In an outsized way. Okay. so um, would uh, Carlos Santana be an outsized elite? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm positive who that is. Oh, the guitarist. Carlos and uh, yeah, I'm not sure who that is. Really? Okay. So Carlos Santana is a very, very famous uh, rock legend. Okay. And I think it's, I think it's interesting in this discussion. Maybe we'll go to it a little bit later. But uh, I've got a video to share with you of something he said and then what changed. But let's let's not go there yet. Let's actually just sort of explore the I guess it was Dave Smith, you said, who had something to talk about with this. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just the point. He, he recently did an episode uh, looking at, you know, the uh, rising, the um, resurging efforts to inflict. COVID tyranny within the United oh, yeah. States and, and kind of looking at some of the issues around the indictments and some of the interesting perspectives on that. But I think one of the really interesting things, um, and this was kind of how he opened up his episode, and I think it's something worth uh, talking about here, is Alex Jones' prediction that, um, and, you know, Alex Jones is oftentimes kind of a little bit extreme. Um, but, he's, but he's an elite in the sense that he has outsized influence. That's a fair point. It's uh, it's an interesting uh, state of affairs, but he actually, you know, was predicting that a lot of the COVID tyranny was going to be returning, and um, you know, whether or not individuals fall for that again, I think is an interesting conversation. Whether or not we go along with it, whether or not you know our political leaders are able to lead us down that path, whether or is not this the- a, is this a recent prediction that he made. Uh, yeah, just, just the other day, I believe, uh, within the last week. Oh, no support uh, for viral claim that COVID-19 lockdowns are returning this fall. Factcheck.org, I guess, is You got to love factcheck.org. That we, that we know. Yeah, so apparently in an episode of the Alex Jones show, he said new lockdowns are coming. Well, what's – I think there's like a – there's a pattern for this, isn't there? We're, we, we're told at first that there's absolutely no way that that will never happen. And then, and then shortly after it becomes known that it is in fact happening, then yeah. I think the next step is they say, well, yeah, but it's happening, but it's very isolated. And then the next step is, well, yeah, it's happening. And it's actually the best. Like it's the thing we should be doing. Mm. That, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I just saw some headlines the other day that Hollywood was bringing back uh, some of the mass mandates. There was a school in, I believe it was Georgia or South Carolina, a small college that was bringing back some of the mass mandates. And, and, and you know, you listen to actual reports on the actual variants and things like that. It's, it, it's just bizarre that they would even be talking like this, not to mention the fact that they think they can sell it to the American people again. Yeah, so here's the here's the fact check uh, that that I just found that you were just talking about and mm. showing that you know in fact this is 
this is exactly what they're saying uh, is that there's no way, you know, this is going to happen. But yeah. within a few days, we know that that's going to be different. They're going to say, yeah, well, yeah, of course. But this is so much worse. This is the Kambaluma variant of right. COVID. And we've got to deal with this. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, I don't know that the, I don't know that the actual that they would even be able to institute the 2020 lockdowns again. I think they absolutely would want to. Um, I would be a little bit more skeptical that they would have the ability to do so. Um, I, I think people are just so tired of this nonsense, right? Like they, for for the longest time, they could pretend uh, that you know there, there was some real danger here, but as the actual data came out and people realized, you know, they they made certain claims and then. Once those claims were undefensible, they pretended like they never said them and as acted. It's a, it's a classic Mott and Bailey argument, right? Where um, so it's a so a Mott and Bailey fallacy is where um, an individual and I don't remember the exact setup of this, but it, the basic idea is an, an individual starts making out a uh, very wild claim, and when that claim is not backed up by any sort of evidence or support, and people call them out on it, then they back up to uh, believe it's the Bailey. I might have those backwards, but uh, the castle, right? And they start trying to uh, defend a much more defensible point and act like that was the point they were arguing. All yeah, that's what I really meant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to do that again, though, right? I mean, it worked. One of the things that really that really surprised me uh, when the when the COVID uh, lockdowns were sort of okay, goodbye. Uh, when the masks were dropped, is how quickly people took them off. Yeah, nobody wants to deal with that nonsense, right? Nobody. nobody. Yes, yes, but here's what I mean by that. Like, if you if you didn't believe they were working, why why would you keep them on until they gave you permission, right? I, I think part of it is fear that of the repercussions of not following along with. Uh, with the official rhetoric, right? Like I'm going to be considered a social outcast. I'm going to be, um, you know, uh, discriminated against and, or I'm going to be punished in some way. And it's just for most people, it's just not worth their time to like try to fight these things. Okay. Um, so, so that now, now I have to add this to the conversation uh, because this is what I was thinking of. And I wasn't sure if maybe I was a little off track with this, but this is exactly what I was thinking of when I was talking about Carlos Santana. So since okay. you haven't heard about this, he's a no. he's a very, very um, influential. I think he's 70 some years old. Uh, and this was him on Thursday night at a concert. And I want you to hear this. Oh, you're lying your ass up. There is no virtual reality. God made you and me before we came out of the womb. You know who you are and what you are. Later on when you grow up and you see things and you start believing that you could be something that it sounds good but you know it ain't right. Because a woman is a woman and a man is a man. Yeah. Now, here's why I think that's interesting, relevant, important. 
it doesn't matter what the topic is, right? You, you mentioned that people are fearful that something is going to happen to them, right? Yeah. So here's, here's the next, like within 24 hours, this is what happened. Can you see that? I cannot. Okay. So the headline says, Carlos Santana backs down after declaring a, man, a woman is a woman, a man is a man. Again, I don't, I'm not interested in having a discussion about that topic. Right, right, right. But it goes to your point about people being fearful that, oh, I'm, I'm just going to get gone. I'm, you know, I can't handle this. And obviously, a guy like Carlos Santana, who has been phenomenally successful for decades, he doesn't have anything to worry about. It's not like right. he's going to lose his house. I mean, he might not get gigs. He might face some controversy. He might lose some friends. But he's, he's not going to be poverty stricken. Right. And to avoid using crass language on this, uh, on this podcast, but to, to, put it, to, to put it very, to put it very, very bluntly, uh, without saying the word, I've heard it described as, you know, some people have that FU money. Um, yes. And, and, um, and there are certain people yeah. who I think are in a position to take those positions and not fear any sort of real reprisal. And we right. need them to actually stand up and take those positions because right. it makes it right. so much easier for people who don't have that kind of power uh, to do so. Well, and I guess this is my point is that I'm, I'm very interested in what drives even elites to cave to whatever the narrative happens to be when, you know, I mean, the left, at least for a very long time when I was a kid, they were all about saying transgressive things. And, and now we've got sort of the opposite. So who are the elites who actually get to turn the dial? Because Carlos Santana's not one. Yeah, um, I mean, I and isn't think, rock and roll supposed to be like, yeah, do whatever I want? Well, and that's that's actually a really interesting point. That uh, it, it's really bizarre how the anti-establishment culture of the rock and roll world. I mean, if you go back thirty years and you look, listen to the punk rockers who were very anti-war, uh, and honestly, were standing up, in my opinion, for a lot of good things. Uh, despite any other disagreements that I might have with them. Um, but they've all caved on a lot of this establishment stuff. I mean, look at right. Rolling Stone magazine for crying out loud. That used to be the pinnacle of like the the counterculture, right? Yeah. And it, it's so bizarre how those um, uh, archetypes, if you will, have changed. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting to think about that in a lot of ways, the modern right is a lot more anti-authoritarian than the modern left. Um, and the, and a lot of this I think is due to the fact that the left has basically abandoned their principles. Um, one of the things that's really crazy to me is somebody like RFK Jr., a Kennedy, JFK, John F. Kennedy's nephew is considered uh, like a an outsider to the political right, process right? Right. how it's right. that's what i'm that. that's exactly what i'm saying right like uh, all all of the elites have you know who is elite has changed and i'm just trying to understand why here's another story you mentioned uh i i had no idea you were going to mention this but this is uh this is rolling stone and the thing about this story that caught my attention 
is it was a it was a story that was written back in the 90s and it was about a doctor named uh, John Money who was very influential in the early idea this was published in the Rolling Stone December 11th 1997 okay that's that's when it was published and it was a it was a very detailed in in-depth story by John Col Colapinto who went on to write some other very interesting, engaging stories about a variety of topics, including Harvey Weinstein. Mm. He was a big, he wrote a big story about that. And we're talking about, we're not talking about like a, like an old, old article. This is in 1997. But if you go, you'll notice I'm not, I'm not using uh, Rolling Stone to show you this. I'm on a place, I'm on a web, website called healthyplace.com. And they just completely reprinted the story. And the reason for that is, and this is 1997. We're not talking about an article that was written in the 40s, right? Right. This is 1997. And they have completely erased the article. Ro mm. Rolling Stone no longer has the article anywhere on their website. Mm. And it's about the it's about the early work in the with around the concept that a boy and a girl are interchangeable and that it's only culture that determines that and that's mm -hmm. 1997 we're we're talking what 26 years ago like yeah. you were alive then right yes i mean i was i was what six years old at that point so within your lifetime rolling stone has gone from this transgressive magazine to completely establishment whatever yeah, they're supposed to say they say and the and the rock and roll scene in general. I mean, I've I've got a lot of you know I've been a rock and roll fan for a while. I, when I was in college and high school, especially, I used to listen to a lot of punk rock. Uh, Green Day's "Holiday" is an a, an emphatically anti-war song, an anti-establishment song, right? Um, who was it? Rage Against the Machine used to be do these massive. Um, critiques of the state and the leadership and George Bush and all that. No, they were right about that. Right. But it's so bizarre that they've turned so much to just being the mouthpiece of whatever the current, you know, political elites actually say. Um, and this is one of the reasons I'm an anarchist, right? There's always that again, there's always elites, right? I would rather my elites be decided by the way more democratic process of the market than the, in a lot of ways, less democratic process of the political system, that everybody actually has a voice in the market. Um, only certain people have a real voice in, within our current political system. Uh-huh. So Who are they? How, how is that determined, do you think? I mean, it's, it's the individuals, it's the corporate media, it's the individuals who have money, it's, you know, look. It's money. It's money. It's also the uh, prestige to be considered uh, an expert in something, right? Like we we heard all throughout the COVID pandemic how, you know, you just got to listen to the experts, right? And, you know, there are certain, and, and the, the problem with that logic, right, is that certain experts are saying one thing and other experts are saying another. Yeah, but right. certain experts get listened to, the other ones get demonized. That's right. Um, That's exactly right. And, no, no, absolutely. And I'm all for expert opinion, right? I think if you're, if yeah, you're I mean, very, you are an expert. If you if you are knowledgeable about a topic, you should probably generally defer to people who know more than you do on that particular topic. <laughs> that being said, if there if there are clearly smart people who know a lot about a subject, and there's clear um, 
controversy within within those in, between those individuals. It seems like you would want to hear multiple perspectives on that. Not right. it's it's not a matter of just listening to stupid people, and that's what it often gets painted out to be. But it, it's listening. It's it's actually opening up dialogue so that people who do know what they're talking about can legitimately disagree, and people who don't know what they're talking about can make an actual informed decision about something. Right, but everything is uh, every information wise, everything is controlled. I want you to hear the end of his statement because I have I have been thinking about outside of the context of our conversation i have been thinking about how this uh works and what are the what are the indicators uh that have led us or, or not indicators but what are the changes societally that have led us to this and i want you to hear the last part of what he says i stopped it before but i want you to hear it. whatever you want to do in the closet that's your business I'm okay with that. I am like this with my brother Dave Chappelle. So, Gordon, what what do you think about this premise, which is that that attitude, whatever you want to do in your closet, that's that's your business, plays a role in this this change because culture used to be primarily driven by and controlled by a higher set of ideals, right? That there mm. is a fundamental truth. Uh, there were, you know, Judeo-Christian, you, you know, some people call it. But there was a generally agreed sort of set of principles. And I know this isn't, this is sort of a conservative libertarian fault line. Ticking point. <laughs> yeah, it's a fault line. But, but you know, the, one of the reasons for this, if people don't believe in anything, then then it is all about power and money. Whoever has the power, whoever has the money. Yeah. And I mean, I, th I think this is, and this is the crux of a lot of our disagreements. I think um, uh -huh. I would agree with that in, in a lot of ways. Um, I think culture largely drives politics. I see, you know, I, and this is something I disagree with my wife about to some extent is I think politics is largely downstream of culture. You might have some feedback effects the other way, but I think most of politics is driven by the culture of a society. Um, I think this is one of the biggest reasons to decentralize power, right? And I think this is, in my opinion, this is the fundamental conservative mistake is that um, you, you increase power in political centers, bad actors get in there and they're able to wield those reins of power. So if your focus is on creating a more Christian environment, then your best bet is to decentralize power so that those Christian societies can actually flourish outside of uh a woke culture or an anti-Christian establishment, whatever it might be. But the, the fundamental point is not to try to stop those, stop that culture, but rather to escape that culture, right? Um, if it's something that you don't agree with, you need a means of getting out of it. Um, you know, I used to have the saying when I was younger, I don't bring it up as much anymore, but, and I, but I do kind of think this is correct. Um, I, I, I don't think Jesus ever intended us for us to have to force a Christian culture. Um, in fact, he often preached against rebellion, right? Uh, Romans 13 is a good example of not rebelling against, not engaging in open rebellion against the state. Um, and one of the things that comes from that is as Christians, our, our goal should be focused on something much higher. Our goal should be focused on the next world, the next life. 
Um, that doesn't mean we don't we don't have to function in this world, but it does mean that we're not responsible for changing the hearts and minds of men. Uh, that's ultimately Jesus's responsibility. So when it comes down to the culture question, um, I think if we, just for the for the good of us all, whether we're Christian or not, uh, it ultimately devolves to the fact that we need to break up. We need to find some way to coexist, if you will, to borrow the leftist word, um, without, you know, being uh, in direct conflict with one another. And that the only way that can happen uh, is through um, secession or national divorce. Yeah. So, I mean, just to push back a little bit on that, I, I don't want to, um, I think it's a mischaracterization uh, to say that it's a conservative position. And certainly it is a party, like a Republican position to consolidate power. There's no question about that. But, you know, conservatives like me are primarily interested in the decentralization of power. And, I, would, I would push and, back against that a little bit, though. I mean, we've, the, you, the, wait, let, let me just let me just finish, because you can't yeah. push back on the pushback till I finish. <laughs> oh, that's that's fair. That's fair. So um, so for me, um, the the ultimate power structure that should be at the center of our uh, our system of government is the family, the church, and the state only in very limited areas. Well, so I mean, each that's, one of them fundamentally an anarchist minarchist debate, but go yeah, ahead. That, that's fine. But I'm saying it, it's a they're spheres, right? So there are certain things which are determined to be crimes. And then there are things that are just wrong. And not everything that's wrong is a crime. But at the same time, um, Jesus was, was certainly not against being good. Or no, against fact, he, he pulled the law out. And he said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you've just had lust in your heart, right, then, then you're already an adulterer, right? And, and the 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 idea there is, I had this conversation with one of my students the other day. They were asking me about something. Can I do this? Like, can I do this? Is this okay? And I said, Well, I think you're. I think you might be asking the wrong question of the wrong person. The question isn't whether or not a thing, whatever that is, is is okay. The question is, as a Christian, does it draw you closer to God or does it pull you further away? Now, I realize that's not a standard that you can put on someone who's not a Christian, but you obviously, as a Christian, you have a built-in uh, impetus based on Jesus' last command to make disciples, to teach them to observe what I have commanded you. Sure. And what Jesus commanded was love, but not, hey, you do you love. Um, and again, I'm not talking about government anymore. I'm talking about church and family spheres here. Government is outside of this. They can't say this. No. They, can't, they can't dictate what religion you practice. But within families and churches, which were meant to be sort of the other two major power centers, and, and spheres of influence, there should be a strong drive to create a culture where people feel comfortable doing good, 
and being kind and obedient and loving. And I don't mean obeying government because you mentioned Romans 13. I think that's a, we can go into that if you want, but I think that's well, a, we've, we, we've, we've done a whole episode on Romans 13. Um, okay. So, so I still, but I still haven't changed my mind. Uh, but I, well, I think we, I, I think point, we more or less, I think if I remember correctly, you kind of came around to my side on that one. My point, my point <laughs> is that, um, that, that we, that we both agree that culture is the driver here. Yeah. And, and that's why that comment by uh, Carlos about, well, you do you, you know, I don't care what you do in your private life. The problem is that in our current system of government, until we get to your minarcho anno cacabalabas <laughs> viewpoint, without voting, um, that, that, that we have this. And what we as people need to do, and this is why I've always felt that we can blame the elites all we want for whatever we want, but in the end, we're the ones who make them elites. They wouldn't be elites mm. if we didn't give them the power. Like if everybody stopped watching CNN or Fox or both, which I think, like I'm all for it. Like just stop watching all. Collectively, yes. Uh, on an individual level, no. I mean, your your marginal choice makes very little difference. Um, but yet, that's what you want, right? You want to be able to opt out. You want to be able to make that marginal choice on your own. Yeah. And I, and I mean, this is, you know, without getting too far down this rabbit hole, this is why I, I'm an agorist in, in, in a lot of sense. Like I, I very much believe in the idea of finding margins that uh, you can uh, avoid the state without um, bringing yourself in, in line of the fire of the state or the antagonism yeah. of the state. Um, I don't, I don't believe in open rebellion against the state. Um, but but I would, but I would say that um, there there are margins in which you can get away uh, from having to obey the state. Now, to your point of culture, I actually 100% agree with you. I think we are called. I mean, obviously, Jesus was not preaching sin; he was preaching holiness, right? Uh, but he was preaching holiness through faith in himself. He wasn't preaching hol a holiness that you can achieve on your own. Um, and I think it's something. I think it's the reason why we can't hold pagans to the same standard that we hold ourselves. Um, we should expect pagans to act like pagans, right? Um, and I don't think it's, and I, and I definitely don't think that, um, I, I mean, it kind of gets back to the whole biblical command to speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. Uh, yeah. There's there's a there's a common command in, P, in Peter, First uh, Peter, I don't remember the exact line, but it's very uh, synonymous with that, that there's a right way and a wrong way to preach the truth. And forcing people into your way of thinking is not the right way to do it. Um, yeah. So, so wait. Th that goes back to crime versus culture, and mm -hmm. and I'm agreeing with you. I'm not I'm not arguing we ought to you know make everything a law. But Carlos Santana says there, hey, you know, you do you. But that's you had just said Jesus said to speak the truth, but speak it in love. But well, both Paul, of those Paul, involve Paul, Paul said that. But Paul, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I stand corrected, but but both of those actually require speaking. Sure. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to speaking the truth. And, and that's right. And that's what I'm saying. This attitude that Carlos said, even as he said this truthful thing from his perspective, um, he said, "You you know whatever you do in the privacy of your home, that's none of my business." But it is because that's culture. And if that becomes the norm, because of the way power works, 
people who believe that cultural idea will begin to enforce it. Now, we as well, Christians, this is why, and this is why. I would wait, 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 just give me, just give me a ahead. second. We Go as ahead. Christians, we recognize these three spheres, right? The government, the family, and the church as being separate. But, but I would, people who don't I mean, have, and I mean, I would, I would, I would add one thing that I don't believe the institution of the government is legitimate. But but go ahead. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But yeah. but it is a thing, right? I mean, it yeah, exists. Sure, it exists. It exists. Right. And in most cultures, it exists. And it's and it's, and it's ordained by God. I would absolutely agree okay. that it's ordained by God. Okay. And and in most cultures, it exists, and it's very yes. powerful. Yes. Right. Because as with anything, it draws power to itself. It wants more power. Yes. And the pushback is the family and the church. Those are the two main institutions that have the the otherworldly nature that mm-hmm. allows them to push back, which is why those two need to be strengthened wherever we can. And one of the ways we strengthen them is to recognize what makes families work. Yeah, And, sure. and again, all, all I'm suggesting is that what has happened for far too long within the church culture is that there has been this attitude of, well, we can't impose our views on other people. And, and that, that sounds like you might be saying we're not going to do it through government, but what it winds up being is we don't even talk about it. Well, yeah, we sure. only- and, I mean, and I mean, that's, that's, and that's a fundamental difference between tolerance and acceptance, right? Um, the, look, the church should not impose their views on other people, right? Um, that, that's a theocracy. Impose, the impose yes. their views. Yeah. Um, but, but they should share their views. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, um, and that's where, and that's where I think a lot of times, conservatives and libertarians fall down is they're like, it's none of my business. Well, it actually is my business. It is my I live business. in the same world. It is my business, but it's not my business. And, and I think what he means by this is it's not, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but the way I interpret that is it's, it's not my business to go inside your house and tell you what to do. Right. If we're in a conversation and you ask me what I think, then yes, you should absolutely give the Christian, the correct Christian answer to that. But, um, but it's, but it's not my business in the sense that I am going to use the power, the power of coercion to force you to behave because ultimately from a Christian perspective, that's, that's addressing an issue of behavior, not an issue of the heart. Uh, what we're more interested in as Christians is a change in heart, not a change in behavior. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And there's a, also a, I, I totally agree with that not maybe in the application you would, because I'm sort of accepting that government is an institution that exists and I'm going to work with it. And you're, you think a better way is to just pull out of it. And that's, you know, that's a, well, and I, I, a, would, I would go one step further than that. I don't think, I don't think it's just a better way. I think it's literally what the Bible prescribes. Um, well, I thought you said the government was ordained. It is God. ordained by God, but it, it, it very much gets to the idea that, uh, God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves, right? I mean, if you go back to Samuel, he kept warning uh, the Israelites not to accept the king and that all the Yeah, Jews he didn't and, want it. Yeah. And they kept they kept asking for it, and he, he gave, gave it to them. them right? As H.L. Mencken used to say, good and hard. <laughs> no, was it Mencken? Hard, right? Yeah, good and hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, that's my point, is that God's in control of everything, but that doesn't mean that he causes everything, right? I, I think no, those are two right. Those right, are two no, he separate. allows us some free will, right? God, God, God is not the author of evil, um, but he does allow evil uh, for whatever reason. Like that's beyond the scope of our knowledge, but he allows. Well, but I, I think it's not, I think it's not completely um, impossible to at least sort of knock at the door of understanding because 
you know, if if God is all powerful and he makes everyone do what he wants, then then there's no real relationship. Like I don't I don't have a relationship with my mouse. Yeah, right? I there's think, just I think no potential for it. I think that's probably about as far as we can go. I, I would agree with yeah. that statement. Yeah, and, th- and and that's all I'm saying. I don't. I'm not. We we can't ex- we can't understand it any more than a a one year old baby can understand why its mother won't let it go swimming before it's learned to swim. Like yeah, we just I mean, can't. We don't have the capacity. Why? Yeah, I mean, it, it gets to the point that like um, there there's a grand plan in place, and to some extent, <clears throat> I think I think our ability to to decide to make actual decisions. Uh, and this gets into the whole like reformed versus or Calvinist versus Arminian debate. And it's not really a road I want to go down tonight, but, um, but, but the point is, is what is the nature of free will and how is that exercised? And my fundamental point of view on that is that free will is what fundamentally the, that free will and the existence uh, of a soul is what fundamentally just uh, differentiates us from every other life form in this world. Um right. But, you know, uh, I had a pastor once tell me that Jonathan Edwards tried to dig down uh, too far into this question and got to some very uh, unbiblical conclusions. And, you know, they're, 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 we, I think, at least as Christians, and this is all I'm going to say about it, I think at least as Christians, we have to accept that there's a certain amount of all of this that we're just never going to understand. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the problem with a lot of, uh, of the discussions around this sort of thing is acting like we have the capacity. It's, it's hubris that we would think we could understand a God who created us any more than, you know, uh, an ant could understand the rationale for writing a letter. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so far beyond what we have the capacity to do that at some point we just have to recognize, Oh, okay. That's just not going to be known by me. Like no. I'm not, and that, that isn't an, an, uh, an, a thought program. That isn't an, uh, an, a not logic program. That's the logical conclusion. I'm far too complex as a, as a physical being for my limited ability to understand, to understand all the things about me. It's, it's a lot of what, our problems come from is this sort of idea that we can know and understand all these things. You had mentioned Trump uh, mm-hmm. and the indictments. How was that in our pre-show? How was that tied in to what it is that we're that we're talking about right now? From yeah, your- yeah. I mean, and I'm going to preface it with this: I can't stand Donald Trump. Like, I think I th- I criticized him heavily when he was president. And I criticize him fully now, right? I don't like the guy. Right, um, right. I, I, I think in terms of culture, he's, you know, I, I, there are certain things that he did that I'm okay with, um, but I think he's created a lot of division within this country. Um, well, or exposed it, right? Or, I mean, expo- maybe- or, or, or maybe exposed it. But he's also just, he's not, he's not a Christian. And he's it, not a it, good person. Yeah, yeah. He's not well, a good person. And not, none of us are good people, but. it's bizarre it's bizarre it's bizarre to me that people that especially like the christian right embraced him so so heavily um and but the point is why do you think that is if you if you you give it a moment's thought why do you think that is why do i think that is i think he uh exposed us feeling of 
um, not being listened to. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's that simple. Um, it's that simple. The elites had so overwhelmingly taken control, and people felt like their voices weren't heard. Like they yeah. they had no control, and no matter what they wanted, it didn't matter. And so they. You know, they got him uh, tattooed on their leg. You know, <laughs> yeah. but I. But to answer to answer your question more fully, like I think these indictments have kind of um, revealed how much the existing elites are so out of line with most of the American public that every time he gets indicted, his numbers go up. Yes, and it. He was he was going to be a failing politician before they started all of these indictments. He was not. He was doing done. well. Yeah, he was done. Um, and they started doing this nonsense. And it's to anybody with a brain, this is political, right? Like you can't, the fact of the matter is the only one that is uh, not using a novel legal theory is the indictment in Georgia. Uh, right. There might actually be some basis to that. Right. But if you just look at it in the context of every president for the last century, there are plenty of things that you could have indicted every single president for that were way worse than anything. Yeah, that you, you remember. Yeah. You remember when, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, the the FBI head. What was his name? Uh, when he said, oh, James you know, Comey? yeah, n no reasonable prosecutor has, would ever, you know, prosecute with Hillary Clinton. Come on. I mean, it was so obvious yeah. that they were just lying to us. And that is what Trump's strength comes from. Well, and you look at the last, and this is the thing, like I've not, and I know this is a disagreement we've had um, about the 2020 elections. I'm not sure that I buy a lot of the, because I, I, to me, it's just like, you know, either put up or shut up. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, and, and Trump was unable to make the legal case. Yeah. Um, yeah my my but, position on that is much more nuanced. I just yeah. think when you when you suppress Hunter Biden's laptop story, one elite power true. center. Yeah, right? I think that's and then true. You all, and then you also have the entire media attacking Trump. You know, yeah. all of those things come together and they create the effect right. of the will of the people was not yeah. Clearly and easily and in, in an informed way expressed. Well, and this is and that and that's largely my point here is that look whether or not you accept that that was legitimate, which I really don't. Um, the 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 election fraud stuff. I mean, um, regardless of whether or not you accept that, it is blatantly obvious that they that the political establishment has cheated him in a lot of ways, right? that yeah there's a double standard there's a very very much a double standard and if you look at the durham report that was released a few months ago the fbi came out and admitted the russian collusion stuff was nonsense yeah they, that's, they all, that's all we heard about for four years was Russian three, collusion. yeah three and a half years all that's all it was yeah and it was it was an absolute lie it's just and, an absolute and these, lie and these top uh you know deep state national security people they knew they were lying. And the same thing happened with COVID. They knew there was yeah. high level intellectual disagreement about this disease, about the way to treat it, about, and they just, they just gaslighted us. They just gaslighted us all the time. And that's why people are mad. That's why people are willing to back a guy who's kind of a buffoon. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I am very much of the belief, and I know this is, you don't agree with me on this, but 
I I am very much of the belief that Donald Trump's best shot at being president again is for him to go to jail. Well, he's already been to jail with the Georgia thing, but uh, for him to actually get convicted, right? Um, one of the other things I was listening to to today that was bizarre was that the part of his um, uh, deal to stay out of prison, uh, the the bail money or whatnot, was that he's not allowed to talk about the case on social media. He's not. He's not allowed to defend himself. I mean, this Unbelievable. is believable. He's not allowed to talk about the case in a, for a case he's not even convicted of. Unbelievable. So yeah. obviously, yeah. So obviously political. Wrong. I mean, obviously political. And it, it reminds me. It, it, it reminds me. And again, you know, Alex Jones is kind of over the top. I, I mean, there's no other. I mean, he's just kind of nuts sometimes. Um, but it's but it's crazy. It's crazy how many things he's been right about. Right. Um, the what was it? The Epstein Island thing he was talking about way before anybody else was. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Every the the line that everybody loves to make fun of him for, which is pretty funny. He says it in an over the top way. We're turning all the frogs gay or whatever, and they're actually was some truth behind that right yeah, there's evidence right that um, some of the hormones are actually in the water there's so much of them and it's a combination of reasons part of it is just the pill you know um, all the but, hormones that women's take yeah and if you look at and i remember because tom woods did a whole episode on this after he got convicted of the sandy hook stuff and he was kind of a jerk about the sandy hook stuff um, oh my goodness yeah but but he did nothing that was clearly illegal and yes. and the the thing that's so disturbing about that case is when he was in court he was legally barred he was put under a gag order he was literally not able to defend himself the only thing he was allowed to say was yes he was basically only allowed to give yes or no answers he wasn't allowed to give his perspective on anything yep they basically railroaded him i mean I don't know how you call that a legitimate form of justice. No, it's if not. he's not even allowed to give his perspective on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's insane. Like the, and, and I see the same stuff with Trump and again, I don't particularly like either one. of No. Them, right. But right. Why are you, why are you guys always making me defend him? Like yeah, right. <laughs> I'm really ready to move on, but don't uh, you think that's part of the point? Right. Is that part of the psyops is to boost Trump now in the Republican primary among the base, keep him strong. He's got a he's got he's a very predictable guy. The thing about Donald Trump is he's extremely predictable. I mean, he says really unpredictable off the wall things all the time, but that's the predictable part. So they just keep everybody spun up around him talking about him all the time. And he raises money like that thing I just showed there. He raises a ton of money off of it. And everybody's talking about him, talking about him, talking about him. Governor DeSantis tried to make this point in the debate. He's like, look, if we keep talking about 2020, we're not going to win. If if all we do is talk about 2020, we're not going to win because people are People's lives are different than that. They they want to move on. They want to they want to get back to life. I saw I saw a graphic today talking about the difference between a mortgage at two point seven percent and a mortgage at eight point five percent over thirty years. Mm. How much more it costs to buy a house when the mortgage rates are seven or eight percent 
than yeah. at two and a half or three percent. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you're talking it, about and, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and that, that's that, right. And all of that shifts power away from regular people and to the elite. And that's I think that's the driving thing is like there's just a lot of money in being an elite and keeping everybody else from getting any choice. There was a meme I saw the other day, and I, I don't know if I can pull it up on the computer, but it basically said, me, yay, after decades of hard work, I finally reached middle class. Inflation comes in and says, slaps you over the head. I said, you're poor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much the idea of, look, you're, you're never going to climb out of your hole like, and this is, you know, I mean, this is another, you know, reason number twenty-seven thousand six hundred and thirty-two that I'm an anarchist. I, I want a market system where somebody literally has a chance to climb out of poverty, not a political yeah. system where elites control everything and keep you down the whole time. That's that's my goal. Well, and uh, this is the Oliver. Is his name Oliver Anthony or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is which is very interesting phenomenon. Indeed. Um, do we want to play the? Let's play the song because I think it looks okay. something we're talking about. If you want to pull yeah, it up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm pulling it up here. Wouldn't mind if you uh, vamped for a minute. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think you know, right, I just said something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is uh, this is a guy that you know. Obviously, if you're familiar with the song "Richmond North of Richmond," he basically blew up literally almost overnight and now yeah. has over 40 million viewers. Has, is that what is, it is? Yeah. He has like 40 million views on the song wow. or something like that. And wow. he just recently had a concert and it was jam packed. And I'm sure this guy was an absolute nobody in the countryside of, I'm guessing Virginia, months ago. Two North months Carolina. Ago. Yeah, yeah. One and, month ago. and nobody, and nobody knew who this guy was, but he spoke something that was just so, that resonated with people so much that it, it, it blew up over. It was just, it was just incredible. I mean, yeah. and I, you know, I always, I like the fact that he was a ginger cause uh, got, you know, I don't got the red hair, but I definitely got the red beard. <laughs> so, you know, gingers represent all that regardless of whether or not. <laughs> What's the name? It's called rich men North of Richmond, right? Yeah. Is the name of the song. Yeah. And of course, I'm, I'm having trouble finding it. It's the most popular song on the internet, but there's so many people talking about it. Well, I did. And I did appreciate. Go ahead. It was even part of the presidential debate. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't watch. I saw some of the clips from it. But, but I mean, but I mean, they were even they were even part of. Oh, here's Ron Paul. Ron Paul's got him. Well, let's watch Ron Paul's version. Uh, oh, okay. It's 25 minutes long. No, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> uh, here, I'll just send you the. I've got the thing. Right you got here. the link? Yeah, I'll send it I to just, you. Like, I'll there's a ton of pictures. I just but sent it there's, to Facebook. How did you send it to? Oh, I can't log into Facebook. Sorry. <laughs> uh, here, I'll throw in the comments. <laughs> okay, I don't know how to see those. <laughs> there's a comment section here? Uh, yeah. I mean, you're the one who. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that is. Let me just see if I can play it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can put it on, right? Um, if I can figure out how to do it. I can't. I just can't find it. It's so weird. 
Like it's the most popular. Just song. Uh, if you just type in Oliver Anthony into YouTube, you'll find it. It's like the oh first YouTube. Result. That's where I should look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. YouTube. All right, I'll find it now. <laughs> oh I'm, no! I'm finding, now I'm it took me. It took me to YouTube Studio. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, this is amusing. I uh, there's very much this uh, digital native versus di digital immigrant thing, right? Oh no! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's my uh my, my subtle way of uh oh, you man, you're killing me all right here we go here's here's the original i'm gonna share this page <laughs> you're killing me oh man yeah i don't know <laughs> uh, all right so i'm gonna push this button i'm gonna add him to the scene and then he's gonna start singing and we can just sit back and enjoy it. my soul Working all day, overtime hours, for shit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away, it's a damn shame, what the world's gotten to, for people like me, people like you, wish I could just wake up, and it not be true, but it is, oh it is, living in the Miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to eat And the whole beast milk and welfare It's an intensely emotional song. Indeed. Yeah, I mean it it taps into a real the real soul and the real voice of people who don't feel like they have any say in anything. Um and I think 
it, it's just a voice that's been ignored for decades now. Um, and, you know, every politician tries to tap into it to some, to some degree. Um, but there's never a real sincerity there. I mean, I think it's one of the big reasons that Ron Paul was so effectual is that you can detect real sincerity from him. I think it's one of the reasons that um, RFK Jr. is doing so well now, uh, that you can detect real sincerity from him. Uh, and in both cases, the existing elites have tried to tap them down. Um, to, some, to some extent, you could say the same thing about uh, somebody like a Bernie Sanders, but I doubt, I kind of doubt some of his sincerity on that, but you, but it's the same, it's the same mentality, right? It's people who feel like they've been screwed by the political system and they just want to be able to push back against that. And I think it, the, the, the culture of the United States has changed to such a degree that most people were willing to go along with whatever uh, the state said or the, or the corporate media said, or uh, you know, whoever the president was or whoever the speaker of the house was, right? Whoever the political leaders were, whoever the business leaders were, they were willing to go along with it because, you know, obviously, you know, they're, they're smarter, they're, they've gotten there or whatever, right? Um, and I think that's a real change we're seeing now. Um, I think there are very positive aspects of that. Uh, there's also some scary aspects of that. Um, but I think ultimately it's necessary for any sort of real healing or change to actually occur. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of very powerful institutions are going to have to fall. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're going to um, have to be decimated before that trust can be rebuilt because yeah. we've come to understand that, like you said, it, they appeal to those feelings, but they don't mean it. Like they're, they're they absolutely do not mean it. No. Um, I mean, it's very much the, uh, you know, it's very much the old, well, you know, I'm just old Scranton Joe, uh, just yeah. you know, working yeah. class, That's working class perfect. man like you. Who, That's a by, perfect example. Who, 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 by the way, uh, you know, has a son that's under all kinds of legal trouble and is getting well, out it of makes, it. Well, it makes, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, dollars on obviously it. fake paintings. And has been, you know, has been in power for 40 yeah. years and is, yeah. is directly yeah. responsible for a lot of the laws that have locked up black people under drug uh, enforcement. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, he was the guy who was like, <laughs> he was is, such a racist monster and, back and, in the Senate. Yeah. And has, uh, and is also responsible for most of the wars that have, you know, or at least not, not directly, but large part complicit, largely complicit with all of the wars that have been fought over the last oh, yeah, 40 I mean, years. He's, um, he's a major hawk. Yeah. The um, it's just to, to to believe that guy is some sort of representative of the common man. Is well, I I know that we're I know that you know, and that's why I enjoy this podcast is because we disagree about a lot of stuff. It's not like you know, like oh yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But one thing I think we both do ag agree on very very much is that change is coming, like real serious yeah. change, and it, it it is not certain that it's going to be good. Like it could be really really bad. Yeah. But it's coming because the current system is unsustainable. I think I'm fairly optimistic about it. Um, I definitely, and there's aspects that, you know, I mean, my wife and I have talked about all kinds of like things that, 
you know, if something crazy happens in this country, right? We talked about contingency plans and all that type of stuff. Um, Cause you just, I think you're foolish not to think through some of that stuff. Uh, we, we have such a bias that everything has been fine for, you know, a hundred years or so. And it has, it's been pretty that, good. And that's, and that's, and that's such a, I mean, that's such a rarity throughout the course of human history. We're, you know, to, to put it bluntly, we're due for something insane. Right? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't sound I, terribly optimistic, but okay. But well, I'm optimistic in this, I'm optimistic in the sense that I think, I think I think of it in terms that we need to rip off the bandaid uh, in order to get yeah. to something better. Um, and I'm a big fan of secession. I made that pretty clear, but I don't think secession is necessarily going to be painless. I do think it will be relatively peaceful um, if it actually happens. You know, if Texas were to secede, for instance, I think that would kickstart a lot of things. But I don't necessarily think that's going to be painless. Um, and there's a lot of growing pains that are going to have to be have to be dealt with, and it's not going to work out well for everybody, right? Um, but I do think it ultimately means that we get to a better state of the world, and that's why I'm, so. and that's why I'm optimistic about it. But well, you know, you're you're absolutely right. I am, I, my prognostications are not necessarily any more any better than, uh, you know. Uh, the individuals who said we were all going to be underwater by now. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. All right. Well, on that on that note, let's wrap it up and let's uh, let's keep this going though. Let's make sure we make this happen again next week. Enjoy yeah. the conversation. And indeed, uh, it's always it great was, talking to it was, you. It was great having you guys here for a while, and I'm looking yeah, forward to it again. Thanks for enjoying another instance of Gordon Miller Time. For more on this podcast, please check out our website. It's gordonmillertime.com. Also, contact us via hosts at itsgordonmillertime.com. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Substack, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, please join us on the next episode for further discussions that will help you question your assumptions, explore new ideas, and think more entrepreneurially. And thanks for listening.